0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to providing our listeners with a weekly update of Kenya's financial markets. However, due to the interconnected nature of the global economy... We have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big-picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment, where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines, This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial market, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That's why I created the Market Color podcast, to call it and analyze the data on your behalf, and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This is episode number 35, and this week we are reviewing the performance of the Kenyan markets during the 51st week of 2022. That is from Monday the 19th to Friday the 23rd of December. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the Asia-Pacific region where shares traded lower as Japan's core consumer price index rose 3.7% in the month of November, marking the highest rate of inflation in Japan since December 1981, that's over 40 years ago. The Nikkei 225 fell about 1%, while the Japanese yen stood at 132.50 against the U.S. dollar, which was the strongest level for the yen in the past four months. The stronger yen was also boosted by minutes from the Bank of Japan's last policy meeting, which hinted that the central bank is considering a policy shift from its long-held stance of holding interest rates At near 0%. Meanwhile, in the US, the Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of inflation came in slightly hotter than expected, indicating that inflation remains high despite the Fed's best efforts to bring it under control. The Bureau of Economic Analysis on Friday reported that the core personal consumption expenditures price index which excludes food and energy prices, rose by 4.7% in the month of November. That was on an annualized basis and 0.2% on a monthly basis. Staying in the United States, government data on Thursday showed that the gross domestic product increased at an annual rate of 3.2% in the third quarter of 2022, which was much better than the contraction of 0.6% that was recorded in the second quarter of 2022. In the U.S. stock market, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite rose on Friday, but still posted weekly losses as fears of a recession continue to batter investor sentiment. The S&P 500 rose 0.6% to 3844 And the Nasdaq Composite added 0.2% to close at 10,497. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed 176 points higher at 33,230. For the week, the S&P 500 was down 0.2%, while the Nasdaq Composite lost 2%, but in contrast, the Dow Jones was the outperformer, posting a gain of 0.9%. The fear of an upcoming recession due to the persistent rate hikes by the Fed Reserve have dashed investors' hopes for a stock market rally towards the end of this year. In the US bond market, Treasury yields rose on Friday after the Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of inflation came in slightly higher than expected. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note was up about 8 basis points to 3.751%, while the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note rose 6 basis points to 4.327%. Yields have been rising as the Fed continues to hike rates aggressively and signaled that its benchmark rate could rise to a terminal rate of 5.1% before inflation is brought under control. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil prices rose by $2 on Friday after Moscow said it could cut its oil output in response to the European Union price cap on its crude oil exports. Russia said it may cut oil output by about 5% in early 2023, and as a result, oil prices were on track for a second week of gains. Brent crude increased by 2.7% to $83.20 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark WTI, that is West Texas Intermediate, rose by 2.5% to $79.43 a barrel. Meanwhile, the price of Marban oil, which Kenya imports, increased to $81.75 a barrel, compared to $80.66 the previous week. In the gold market, the price of bullion was trading sideways, around $1,800 a per ounce as investors were unwilling to take big positions ahead of the long holiday weekend. The hotter than expected U.S. inflation data confirms that the Fed Reserve will continue to hike interest rates and is expected to drag down the price of gold, which is a non-yielding asset that pays no interest. Towards the close of the week, the price of gold rose 0.2%, to $1,796 per ounce. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And as usual, we start by looking at the Kenya shilling exchange rate. Based on data from the central bank website, the Kenya shilling remained stable against both major international and regional currencies and closed the week trading at 123.16 versus the U.S. dollar and 149.54 against the sterling pound. And to the euro, it was valued at 130.87. On the regional front, 1 Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 29.57 Ugandan shillings, 18.93 Tanzanian shillings, and to the Rwandese franc at 8.65. Please note that the effective exchange rate at which commercial banks are now selling US dollars to their clients is now well above 130 shillings per dollar. This rate differential confirms the existence of a parallel dollar market, which the central bank continues to deny. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at $7.53 billion which is equivalent to 4.22 months of import cover, and this is compliant with the central bank's statutory requirement to maintain at least four months of import cover. However, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have declined from a peak of $8.81 billion that was recorded at the beginning of this year to the current level, which is a decline of $1.27 billion in a period of just 12 months. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market remained tight during the week as tax remittances exceeded and more than offset government payments. Commercial banks excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 20.3 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 5.48% compared to 5.06% the previous week. During the week, the average value traded declined from 30 billion shillings recorded the previous week to 23.1 billion shillings. In the government securities market, the weekly treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 22nd of December, and the central bank received bids totalling 16.8 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of about 70%. Interest rates remained broadly unchanged as the 91-day rate ticked up by just 1.4 basis points to 9.37%, while the 182-day rate held steady at 9.82%, and the 364-day rate inched up by 1.1 basis points to 10.31%. In the primary bond market, the top sale for the six-year infrastructure bond was held on Thursday, the 22nd of December, and the central bank received and accepted bids totalling 10.8 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 20 billion shillings, representing a performance of 54%. The central bank accepted the bids at a weighted average rate of 13.215%, which was the yield achieved at the initial auction. And still in the primary bond market, the Central Bank has published the prospectus for the January 2023 monthly bond issue and is looking to raise 50 billion shillings through the sale of two reopened fixed-coupon treasury bonds, whose terms and conditions are as follows. The first bond is FXD1-2020-005, with 2.4 years left to maturity, and a coupon at 11.667%. The second bond is FXD1-2022-015, with 14.3 years left to maturity, and a coupon at 13.942%. The bonds are now open for sale until the 10th of January 2023. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the week under review, the NASI and NSE25 increased marginally by 0.02% and 0.32% respectively, while the NSE20 declined by 0.1%. Market capitalization and equity turnover increased by 0.02% and 41% respectively for your information. In 2022, the value of shares at the Nairobi Securities Exchange has declined by the largest margin ever recorded in the history of the exchange. Market capitalization has declined from 2.59 trillion shillings at the beginning of the year to 1.99 trillion shillings, translating into a loss of 597 billion shillings. This is the worst annual decline in the equity markets since its inception in 1954. We now look at the topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at Ghana's debt default. And the question we are all asking is, Could Kenya also default on its debt? Despite what we've been told, government debt is not risk-free. On Monday, the 5th of December, Ghana announced the suspension of payments on its external debt, which effectively means that the country has officially defaulted on its national debt. In addition to suspending payments, the Ghanaian government also announced a mandatory swap for domestic bondholders, where the government is looking to replace existing high-interest domestic bonds with longer-dated bonds, but at a much lower rate of interest. Now, given the similarities between Ghana and Kenya, the question on most people's minds is, will Kenya head in the same direction as Ghana? For us to answer that question, we need to compare the key economic fundamentals between these two countries. The first economic indicator is the total national debt. Ghana's total national debt is about $38 billion, with the bulk of this being foreign external debt at $28 billion. That is about 58% of the national debt, and domestic debt is at $10 billion. Meanwhile, Kenya's national debt is much higher at $72 billion, and this is equally divided between external debt and domestic debt at $36 billion for each category. The second economic indicator is the debt-to-GDP ratio, which compares a country's debt to the size of the economy. Now Ghana's debt-to-GDP ratio is estimated to be slightly above 100%, while Kenya's debt-to-GDP ratio is at about 70%. The third economic indicator is the debt-service-to-revenue ratio, which looks at a country's debt repayments vis-a-vis its revenue collections. Ghana's debt-service-to-revenue ratio currently stands at 70%, which means that for every 100 cities that the government collects in revenue, it spends 70 cities on debt repayments. In contrast, Kenya's debt service to revenue ratio is at 50%. In my view, whilst the Kenyan situation is not as dire as that of Ghana, Kenya still remains at a high risk of debt default. And forewarned is forearmed. Therefore, it is now time for Kenya to initiate engagements with our so-called development partners with a view to restructuring our external debt profile so that it is manageable and sustainable for all parties involved. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. For your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major directories, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on the to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week which will be next year and therefore I take this opportunity to say from me to you, from my family to your family, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and may the hand of God be upon you and your family. Thank you and God bless.